grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to see you guys. It's Friday. Well, it's my Friday anyway. So uh, welcome to California Haunts. And let me go ahead and push my little buttons here. I can't walk and chew gum at the same time when I'm doing this stuff. Okay. Anyway, welcome to California Haunts Radio, Thursday edition. Uh, this will be, yeah, this is the last show for 2021 for us. Um, the next show we do is going to be Sunday when we do the read of uh, Mrs. Miracle. So this is this is it. This is our last show. So it's kind of cool. Anyway, I want to welcome everybody here today. And uh, I'm going to make an adjustment here. Let me adjust it here. We've got a great show lined up for you today. And I'm excited about it. Uh, Mr. Nichols, I came a little more mad again here. Mr. Nichols um, is a very popular person at, at, at conventions and stuff. And I want to talk about him a little bit. But my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And I own the I own and operate the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. And if you want to see the uh, stuff from this radio show going all the way back to 2007, now because I'm starting to, uh, to update uh, everything with Blog Talk as well, that is at www.californiahauntsradio.com. And last night I did my first update for Blog Talk, so we're just starting with 2007 and build ourselves up. It's going to be a while because the last show I did over there was 2019. So as you can see, it's going to be it's going to be quite the crawl upwards. But anyway, um, I want to welcome you guys. I also want to announce that um, I teach psychic development classes, and those are going to be taught uh, in January, and they're over at our, off our meetup site, and I will have them up on the website by Sunday this week, and you can take a look at that. I taught you Psychic Development 1, which is Introduction to, psych to, to, to Psychic Abilities and, and stuff like that. Teach Psychic Development 2, which is a more advanced class. So if you're interested in those, check the, check the radio website on Sunday, and they will be in there under extras. Okay? Um, now, let's talk about our guest a little bit tonight, Sandy Nichols. Sandy Nichols is a unique individual. He has been uh, abducted by aliens since he was five years old. He's put together a, uh, a group of, well, I want to say group or corporation of folks who uh, investigate this stuff. So I'm going to let him tell you because I'm horrible at telling people stuff, you know, it's just, it's one of those days. It's been a long day for me, but uh, I want, yeah, I'm excited to have him on. So you know what? I want to shut up and I want to bring Sandy on. Okay. Hello. Hey, Charlotte. Thank you. Uh, first of all, let me thank you for uh, having me as a guest. I really appreciate that. Sorry for the intro, but my mind, I I, I got a lot going on, so <laughs> it's like I'm trying to sort everything through. Tell uh, me about yourself, sir. Okay, first of all, don't worry about that. Uh, you know, I, I, I read your messages, and, and, you know, Christmas time is always a busy time for everybody, and afterwards, and and I was busy and doing some radio shows and then out of town for the whole uh, week of Thanksgiving and everything. So I'm kind of getting back to getting back to doing normal stuff now. And uh, but for me, um, 
this all began for me, you know, as you mentioned at five years of age and, uh, and people thought I was crazy back then when I told them that little people, little weird looking kids were coming to get me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and I could make a host, you know, I could make a five hour interview out of that, but, right. but, but I'm just going to jump ahead. And, um, and what happened was that I would tell, I would do things at my parents' home that I was doing on these ships and, um, and they were thinking I was crazy. See, I was born in 1951. So my toys were, were not battery powered. They were, okay. you know, the little trucks you had to push across the floor. Right. But as a kid, I was being shown things that, that, that had, uh, that you could move with your mind. And I didn't understand that. It was just, you know, something that it just, I just knew what to do. And I would try to do it back home on our wooden floors. And my parents come up and said, what are you doing? And I'm saying, I'm trying to move this truck. Well, you know how to move it. I'm going, no, I'm trying to move it like the way the little kids and the big people tell me. And, um, and they thought that they had a right to back then because my parents were old school. They passed mm-hmm. away. Uh, my dad in 20, 20, sorry, 19, sorry, I can't even think right now, 2002 and my mom in 2007. And they were all up there in their age, like 83 and 84 when they passed. And, and they, and they didn't think that my work that I do right now, mm-hmm. that I've been doing for almost 30 years now, uh, was real. They were old school. My dad, my mom and dad were both born in the twenties and you know, you just didn't talk about this stuff back then. And then, and then I had three brothers and I was the strange one out. <laughs> my, mom, my mom and dad, well, especially my mom thought I needed kind of extra help. And matter of fact, when I wrote my first book, different child, I, I, I was struggling for about six months trying to figure up a name for that. And I was going down to my first conference. This was back in the, in, in like mid 1990s. Whoop, wrong button. All right, go ahead. <laughs> in mid 1990s. And, um, and, um, and, and I was over at my parents' house using my dad's woodworking tools for one of, for one of my children who wanted me to build them something. And so my mother and I always had this habit and um, about telling each other when we're going to be out of town. Mm-hmm. So I told her, I said, well, I'm going to be out of town, you know, and uh, I'm going, you know, I said, where, where are you going? I'm going, well, I'm going down to, uh, to uh, Pensacola, Florida. Well, where are you going down there? You know, my mother. And I said, um, well, for a conference. Well, what kind of conference? And I'm going, well, just a conference. She says, well, what kind of conference? I said, just the conference. Is Sherry going with you? No, Sherry don't want to go to this conference. Well, what kind of conference are you going to? And I said, okay, I'm going to a paranormal UFO alien conference. And she looked at me, gave me this look, and then shook her head, turned around, because we were standing like in the hallway of her house, <laughs> and started walking down the hallway and went and said this, you've always been my different child. And... um. And sure enough, I was, and, uh, and, but 
it was not until they about, you know, it's kind of ironic, but, or maybe it was just synchronistic that six months after my dad passed away and six months after my mom passed away, mm -hmm. they both came back to me. And I, and my dad came back to me while I was in a, well, twice uh, at a conference in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And then my mom came back to me at that same conference. But before that, she she there she passed away at home from cancer, mm -hmm. and um, and and they they lived in the same house for like sixty years. So my wife, a nurse, was there. The hospice lady was there, and they'd all, already called the funeral home people. And it was kind of rainy that morning, and so they and she died in the hospital bed that we brought in for her next to her bed in her bedroom. And um, so what happened was that um, I was over there and the hospital, the funeral home people came to get her body and it was in the back of the house. And so with the house being almost, well, it was like 55 years old at the time, mm -hmm. they had built narrow, narrow hallways and what there is today and more rooms and blah, blah, blah. Well, they and I had to show them how to get into the house. They had to come in. They came to the front door. I said, no, 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 let's go. Yeah, you can come in the front door, but we got to leave another door because it'll be a lot easier because they lived on a little rise. Mm -hmm. right, I was afraid they were going to slide and slip. And then my mom would go Boom! down the, down the sidewalk. Well, I brought them around and they're in they're in the hallway and they can't get the, the stretcher inside the uh, inside the bedroom to get my mom's body. So I was still talking to them about how we're going to get out uh, of the house and back to the, back to the hearse in the driveway. And, um, and that while they were taking the, uh, a, a, a black bag off and a white bag, a white sheet and, and, a, a, a body board. And while I'm talking to them, all of a sudden I felt this pull on the back of my shirt and the collar came all the way up to my neck and, and it was like a jerk. And that was one, if I was with my mom and we were talking, she would do three things. If, if I said something that she didn't like, one was she'd tap me on the, the foot. All right, baby, you're talking too much or you don't say that. Or she'd give me a little pinch or she would pull my shirt, whichever one she thought that somebody couldn't see. And, um, and I felt that pull and all of a sudden I heard her voice just as plain as I'm hearing your voice saying, all right, Sandy, leave them alone. Let them get my body out. And, and I'm going, and I turned around, I'm going, nope, nobody's behind me. And only the three of us were in the hallway and they were, they were five or six feet away from me. And then she came back to me in the hallway. I mean, uh, in Eureka Springs and, um, and my dad, that was in 2000. This was six months after she had passed because my dad and mom passed within three days of, of, of their passing, uh, six months prior, but one in 2002, one in 2007 and my dad and, and, and three days before my mom's birthday and my dad passed on her birthday in 2002. <laughs> 
Well, I met this conference and, and this guy came up and we went over to somebody's house that I'd never been to, didn't know these people. And there's a couple there, Ken and Monica. And, and they didn't know me. I didn't know them, you know, and, um, so I'm sitting there. So I'm sitting there and, um, I mean, I walk in at, you know, the, introduce myself. They introduce themselves and Ken is sick. He's got, he came down with a sinus infection the day before, but still came down to the conference. And so, um, this guy who, who was, who, who shared the house with his girlfriend, said, Sandy, I heard you're pretty good at looking at photos. I've got some photos. Can you come back to, you know, to the study room mm -hmm. and look at them and see if you see anything weird? And I'm going, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I don't know how good I can be, but I'll do that. So I'm going back. I go back there and sit back there for about maybe five, 10 minutes when Ken comes up, Ken comes back to that room and, and he says, someone wants to talk to you. And I'm going, oh, really? I'm going, uh, I thought it was somebody new who came in mm -hmm. I would have been outside or something. And he says, it's your dad. And I'm going, my dad and my dad had passed six months before mm -hmm. so this conference was in March and they both passed in October. So that's about six months spread. And he, and I said, my dad, and, and then he says, yeah. And he start and he's, and so, and, and then he starts telling me things. I know exactly what he's doing. He's channeling somebody from the other side. Mm -hmm. Now I watched John Edwards and thought that he was pretty legit, but channeling on, on the top side was kind of strange to me because how do you know somebody tells you that, oh, I've been channeling a 500,000 year old shaman. How do you know? How right. do you know that's a 5,000 year old shaman or, whatever. And so, but, and he said, my dad, and, and he said, yeah. And then he starts telling me stuff that there's no way he could know that only my dad and I knew. And when he and started telling me that stuff, I, I'm starting to get misty eyed. I'm starting to get misty eyed. And then he tells me some more stuff. And he said, and my dad said, see, my dad was a very successful businessman. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and he didn't think his, his was, you don't show emotions old school. If you, sh if a boy guy shows emotion, you're weak and stuff like that. And, um, but, but then Ken said, he thought that all your work that you were doing over here was BS. Mm -hmm. and he actually said the full word. And he says, but now that I know that I'm on the other side, I know that your work is valuable. And if you need any help, I will help you. And I'm thinking, God dog it. And you know, my dad, you know, you know, boss may not always be right, but he was always a boss. And my dad, he was a genuine war hero for the greatest generations and, and stuff and, and a pilot and with the flying tigers over in China. So, and he had accomplished a lot of stuff. And, and here I am trying to find my way into this world, basically still trying to find my, my, my path that I needed to stay on and walk. Mm -hmm. And, and he comes up and, 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 uh, tells me some other things. I'm going, he's talking to my dad by this time I'm crying mm -hmm. and, and I'm, and you know, and I miss him. It's only been six months and I miss him and, and we could get along in just about everything except this work that I did do and this work that I do now. And one reason I'm on your show is I do it full time. 
I've been lucky enough to be able to do this. And um, so he comes up and, and, and he says, and Ken comes up and says, my dad quits talking. My Ken, my, and Ken comes up and says, uh, by the way, there's somebody else that wants to say hi to you. He says his name is uh, J.R. or Junior. Well, Junior, J.R. slash Junior, same person, was my what is my wife's dad, who passed away um, uh, back in '92, and they used to call him J.R. or Junior. Now my now this is really strange, but my dad and Junior and Junior had never met before. <laughs> but somehow they knew each other on the other side and they were with my and junior was with my dad to say hi to me. And about a year after my, my wife's dad died back in 92, uh, or actually 90, 91, 91, Halloween of 91, that about a year later, well, sometime later after that, a couple of weeks, months, then my, my my future wife and I are laying in bed. It's early in the morning. She wakes up suddenly and on the back and I'm turned on my left side and on the back of my head is her dad's face. Wow. Just like just like my face is on the screen right now. You know, a real live face and telling her not to worry about me because I'm all right. And my wife's a Christian woman. Of course, she was worried about his eternal soul. And here he was talking and telling her that he's all right. And she did not tell me for about a year. And it was like, oh, really? And so it kind of broke the mode for her because, see, my wife, you got to know my wife. My wife is a very sweet lady. Mm -hmm. But um, you got to be, uh, uh, and sometimes I have to kind of walk on glass. She's a, she's a nurse. And she was also an officer in the military. She was a captain in the Air Force as a flight nurse. So I've got that military discipline as a wife, plus the 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 the, the sanitary thing of a nurse in our home and everything. But we get along great. You know, we 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 have our little squabbles here and then, but other than that, and my, and my children from my previous wife love her. Mm -hmm. I just love her to death. And, uh, but they both came back to me, but the thing that got me was that they both didn't, uh, they didn't read my first book. I was in life magazine. They didn't even read that the article in life magazine. Um, uh, I hope I co-hosted a radio show, uh, uh, for, for two and a half years with a group out of Memphis. And they never said anything about that. But as soon as my wife and I would go over to the house, Cherry, how's your business doing? They would never ask about mine because they just didn't believe in it. They thought it was poo-poo stuff. I mean, not real. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then they get on the other side and they come back to me. Now, I'll tell you something. I lost my brother, my youngest brother, uh, to a heart attack. And he came back to me uh, not once, but twice within a, within a week after he passed away, telling me that uh, he says message Blake Preston, that was his two sons and Blake and Preston. Um, uh, and, and, and he was having, he, he was going to be cremated. So he's having a memorial service and we've been having some ice storms. So we had to wait a week. He, he 
passed away on a, he basically had his heart attack, his brain dead. They pulled the plug on Thursday and had the memorial service on, on Saturday. And when we went down there and I thought since he passed away so suddenly, he had a message that he told me that he says, I want, I thought he was trying to say, I want to tell you a message you can give my two sons. And so, and so my wife and I go down there and I get up and, you know, and, and we get down there the night before, have dinner, stay at a hotel close to the church uh, where he's having the service, where the service is going to be held. And um, the thing about it was that uh, at six o'clock in the morning, I awakened and had to go to the bathroom for a second. So I came back and as soon as I laid back down on the bed, all of a sudden audible in the whole room. Sandy, just my name being called out. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, okay, he's giving me the message now to give to Blake and Preston. Well, it did. I was right on the message and I was right on Blake and Preston. But when we got to the church, which was about 30 minutes before the memorial service, I went down to see Blake and Preston because Blake and Preston and my brother Phil had supported me quite a bit in this UFO and ghost stuff. They're about the only ones in the family at the time, believe me. And um, and I went and I saw I went down into the uh, sanctuary of the church and there was there was Preston. And he says, Sandy, I'll be back in a minute. He goes and gets Blake and they take me into this little room off the sanctuary where where brides get ready for the for weddings and and people for for funerals and stuff and for other things. And they said, Phil left a letter for you and I didn't know it. And, and, and he says, and, and they, they forgot to bring the letter to the church, but they told me what was in it. And it, and the message was actually from my brother, Phil, who had passed away to me, to be read to me after he passed away. And, um, so, you know, people can call me crazy. And, you know, I know that you said yourself that, that you used to live in a haunted house. I still live in a haunted house. Yeah. And, and, um, and so we tell people this who don't believe in any of this stuff. And right. They're crazy. But, but my wife, she didn't believe in any of this stuff. But, but, but that experience she had, and then we got married in 92 that and then we began living together full time instead of just on the weekends and stuff like that that she started seeing some things now she's not like me uh as far as i i go by my gut feeling this gut six sense feeling to tell me if something is real or not but i try to but i try to go through all the status quo answers first can't find that then go to the weird ones you know it's like uh sherlock holmes said in, and i think in the book his one of the books sign of the four whenever you have eliminated the impossible no matter what remains no matter how improbable must be the truth mm-hmm. and so so my wife has actually seen some things and experienced some things she says i don't know what's going on but i know something's going on with you and, and i just don't understand it but she's very supportive. She tells me uh, and stuff like that. She doesn't get embarrassed. And she's actually uh, as, as a favor to me. Um, you had a, you had a guest on here, I think not too long ago, by the name of Brent Rains. Right. 
and he's got his alternate perception magazine. Well, I've known Brent for over 20 years mm -hmm. and he lives about an hour and 20 minutes away from me. And, and so Brent has written up some of my stuff in his, his magazine, his online, it used to be a print magazine. Now it's an online magazine. And so I told him about a couple of experience Sherry had and Sherry actually talked to Brent and, 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 and about some of her experiences and put her name. So she's not embarrassed about that. And you also had another friend of mine on, I think here about two weeks ago, Brad Odom. Yep. Yeah, Brad Odom, he lives down in he lives down near Gulf Shores, Alabama now. But he lived in he lived in uh about 30 minutes away from me in the Nashville area. And he just lived just uh east of Nashville and I lived just south of Nashville. So he was part of this this thing you were talking about, a group. Well, it was mm -hmm. Brent, Brett, myself, and a lady by name, Kathy Brockway, and Val and Mike Rojas and and a few, couple other people and we base when we do an investigation we base it how many people go will go on who can go to start with mm -hmm. and, and and how big the place is we don't want to put 15 20 people in a place that's 2000 square feet absolutely and so but but most of but so it it, it kind of worked out so it's i have my own group alien research group right and then brand has this alternate perception and and Brett had halo paranormal and 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 Brett introduced us I met Brett back in 2009 that I was helping a guy by the name of Eddie Middleton that was the Tennessee head of Tennessee MUFON put on their yearly you know one day conference in in Murfreesboro Tennessee not too far from Nashville and so um uh one of the speakers couldn't show up so eddie had me get up there and give an impromptu speech for about an hour and 20 minutes mm -hmm. now i can do that like a heartbeat i talk so much anyway <laughs> i can find something to chat about and but brett was there and i didn't know brett and, and his former former wife gina at the time mm -hmm. but then they called me and they came over and and this thing we have I know a lot of these people on these uh, ghost investigation shows and um, and they have the spirit box. You know, we all have our little shack hack uh, 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 radio shack shack hack box, right. box. and uh, luckily mine's still working and uh, but we all have one and Brett and and gina showed us a brand new way to use the spirit box where we don't we don't use them carry them around when we go do an investigation it was usually this way we'd go in we get a little bit of information about what is happening then we go and talk to the people for a little bit to make sure that what the little bit they told us added up and we weren't going on a fool's journey mm -hmm. and um and then we they would go with us and 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 walk us around and show us the rooms where things happen and then we're trying to use our own gifts to 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 figure out you know if we feel anything our own psychic gifts you might say if right. we're feeling anything so we go over the place 
And then, and then, uh, but while we're doing that, we're holding our little digital recorders and asking questions at the same time. And, and, and we look at it as if, if we're in somebody's house building and they're there and they want to go with us, we don't have the right to tell them no, because it's their home. So all we do is says, if you want us to do this, just follow a couple of simple rules that we go by to be able to get the best uh, evidence without any type of interference or anything like that from somebody talking when they shouldn't be talking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we go in and we do that. And then we go up by ourselves because most of these people, once they hear a couple of voices or hear us say, well, I just got touched. They don't want to come with us second time around. So, and we got our little cameras up and stuff, but we don't use a ton of equipment. And, uh, but, um, um, so, and then, and then we go up by ourselves as a team. And if it's big enough, we split up and then come back, you know, and crisscross over and stuff, depending on how big the location is. If it's a small location, we all go together, but if it's bigger then one, one group will go here, that group will go here, then we switch off and Mm -hmm. then there's more spots. Then we switch off again. And then we always save about an hour and a half toward the end of the investigation. And we don't have to be in a place eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. Right. Our investigations last usually no more than four or five hours max. And, and so then what we do and Brett Odom showed us this thing and Brett and I were kind of skeptical about that spirit box at first and showed us a new way to do it. And that what we do now, and I, and I've only said this one other time on a radio program and, but you've got to, and you know, it's nobody stealing our ideas because I mean, we need to get this information out anyway. Absolutely. But what we do is that we come up, and we set up this, the, 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 the radio shack radio on the table. Then what we do is we set our speakers, we plug our speakers. We have these small speakers. We hear plug small speakers onto the table. I mean, onto the box, you know, that are wired together into the little earplug thing. And then we put our digital recorders in front of the speakers. And then we turn it on and well, we do our white light protection, you know, our little protection thing beforehand. And we come up and we, um, uh, Brett would you would usually lead the service since he introduced us to us, but we're all sitting around. So we, we modified certain things and like, it was hard to hear our voice over this, over the white noise that was coming through. So, I went out and bought a little, I bought out, a, bought a little speaker and got a microphone and now you can hear our voice just as well. And then, and then we put whatever we get on the recordings, we put through audacity or wave pad sure. to clean it up, but we would sit there, but the key to ours, our success and, um, and, and I gotta admit, we have some pretty good success. Um, I've got about three, I've got over 3000 EVPs captured this way. During a session, we may get four or five without doing the spirit box 
And we don't carry the spirit box with us when we walk around on our own. We we have it static on a table in, in a certain room. And that's where we get most of our EVPs. And we'll get 20 to 40 of them. And 20 to 40 EVPs, you can hear them. You have to de, you know differentiate between the radio voices right. and, 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 and their voices. And, um, and so we're interacting with them in time i mean in real time um i was allowed brett and gene and i had a, had a this came up kind of quick uh an investigation over at the golf course golf club i belong to and the house the old house part of the old house is still there and it goes back to the to the late 1700s and it's part of the davy crockett's family it's davy crockett's dad's brother who owns that property and it used the the golf course area used to be called crockett springs and the and part of the house original house so the people who worked there were seeing ghosts and they asked us to come in mm-hmm. and we came in and uh and 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 so i went and talked to the pro and i've been a member out there for 20 years so and he knew what he did he said just don't tell me what you capture you can come in so he unlocked the place for us at six o'clock we had the run of the clubhouse all to us. And um and and this was kind of funny on this live interaction is that <clears throat> is that we're we're in the office of the that used to be a bedroom or a sitting room for the old house. And you can see the old wood and all that stuff. And uh from where they had Indian attacks on the house. And um so we're sitting there and we set it up. We we bring all of our stuff in and set it up. And since we're in Davy Crockett's house, I'm going, let's try to contact Davy Crockett. So sure enough, we we're, we got somebody that's got that deep southern drawl. And see, Davy Crockett's dad was actually the firstborn of the Crockett family in Pennsylvania, and then they moved to North Carolina and Tennessee. And and Davy Davy Crockett himself was one of eight seven or eight kids uh, from Davy Crockett's dad's second wife. His first wife either died or they got divorced. Mm-hmm. And on his first wife, he had a daughter. Well, it turns out my DNA is is is, is my DNA is is connected with Davy Crockett's dad, first wife, and his daughter so i'm like a half whatever to davy crockett and 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 i'm going well that's pretty cool but i, I do ghost so anyway and we're trying to get a hold of davy crockett and we have very good success if we want to get in touch with somebody then we have our success rate is about 99 percent of who we want to get in contact with and uh and we got in contact with someone who would sound just like Davy Crockett hmm. and had the voice, had the, the mountain voice oh, from, so I'm from Tennessee. So he was from Tennessee. So, and, but he was from, he was from East Tennessee with that mountain draw and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. also the, the accent from way, way back, you know, going back to the 1800s, you know, 1700s, 18, early 1800s. And, um, and, and so I, so we 
talking to him. And I said, oh, David, you know, you're pretty popular down here. And I says, you know, Walt Disney, they, you know, they did a movie about you. You know, they did a TV series and then they have stuff down at the parks, the theme parks and stuff like that. They wrote a song about you. So I started singing Born in the Hills of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Prettiest state that you ever did see. And then I, I and right as I got to the part where it says prettiest state that you ever did see, all of a sudden you hear his voice come in loud and clear. Well, that's just plum silly. <laughs> yeah. And um we've been able to get a hold of Tesla. Right. Tesla. But but and then we have others coming in that 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 I'll tell you, I'll I'll just go on and say we have what we call our spirit guides that help us contact and each one each one of us has our own spirit guide and Mm -hmm. brad and gina had their own brent has his and then i happen to have three for some reason and i have a a guy named philip and civil war battles used to take place you know around my property right and and confederate and and union soldiers used to come up matter of fact my my house is built on indian ceremonial site which i didn't know and nobody else knew and somebody helped me find it but uh but civil war site so we have we have a a, almost ever been body to my house has seen the he's either a colonel or a general civil war soldier from the confederate side walks through my house I've got a I've got a uh, a family that immigrated from Switzerland, Austria when it was all combined at one time, and their name is George, Barbara, and Libby, and Libby's a little nine-year-old girl, and I see her walking through the house every once in a while. Uh, we had two people that were coming over cleaning up our house, so my wife and I wouldn't fight about me not cleaning good enough. I said, "You yell at them now because they're cleaning," and. Uh, and it turns out that uh, that two of these ladies, their sisters, and their sister owns this service. Mm-hmm. They quit because they saw the ghost, two of my ghosts walking down the hallway and and in one of the bedrooms. But um, but the entry, well, what I did is when we built this house, I buried an amethyst stone about that big about three feet deep under my entry foyer and because i'd heard that it creates portals and among other things so that's where we do that's where we do most of it but we'll start the service we'll start the session um uh after you know we everybody if anybody wants to do like a white light protection thing do it to themselves you know it's all personal do it to yourself and then you know it takes like a minute or two and then brett usually starts it and he comes up and he opens up the portal says okay we're going to talk to the you know to the ghosts and the spirits and whoever else now blah 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 and he any he, any he contacts his spirit guide first mm-hmm. and then and then and then ask questions that way and then and then it's passed around the microphone is passed around to the rest of us and and Brent's spirit guy seems to be a guy named Dr. Leo Schwartz, who is a well-known psychiatrist on the other side. We've gotten John Kill, the the guy who wrote 
uh, Mothman Prophecy and mm-hmm. and all these other books. We 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 had, everybody brought some pizza and we had pizza that night. <laughs> so, and so Brent he wrote a book about John Kill. He probably said shared that on thing. And and we asked John Kill. I said John Kill, will you talk to us? And and the answer came back clear. Uh, for for pizza pizza and everything. So um, but then and then it comes to me. And then I seem to have three. One is 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 one by the name of Philip, and Philip said he was from Erie. So I thought, well, Erie, Pennsylvania, first thing that came to mind. He says, no, New York. I'm like, where is Erie, New York? And everything. Well, there's an Erie County, New York, and that's where he was from, and he died in 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 Franklin, Tennessee, which is about 15 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. The big Battle of Franklin. And then there's two more. I have two more, Gwen and Everett. Well, I have three. I don't know. Maybe I just need more help. And uh, but Gwen and Everett. And Gwen has this very sultry type of voice. And um, and then Everett, he's Scottish. You can hear his Scottish accent in a heartbeat. And and I and I found out um, what city they lived in. And I don't know if they were friends business partners or husband and wife or whatever but uh and they, they you know there's the thing that says when you have a spirit got it, it some people believe it's your relative mm-hmm. so maybe these two are our relatives and they go back several several hundred years and they and they uh, live in a seaport they live in a seaport uh on the uh east coast of england that's where they lived and it was weird. I'm I'm on the I'm on the spirit box doing it myself one night. I don't mm-hmm. recommend anybody doing this themselves unless they know exactly what they're doing because you can't have bad things coming in. You got to keep them out. And um, so I have this. So I'm and I found and I hear Gwen, and I'm thinking it's English Gwen, but it turns out to be another Gwen, mm-hmm. and it's a Gwen who lived. In, in, in an area called Switzy, S-W-Y-Z-Y, something like that, which was part of this Germany, Austria, Switzerland confederation back around the 1200s. And I found out that she was had three kids and uh, and her, she was married to this guy who was a, uh, who was a sailor. And I asked where you know, where he sells out of, because, I mean, she's in a landlocked area in a little right. village, and where does he sell out of, and, and he sells out of the, out of the uh, European coast over to a city, a seaport over in England, which happens to be the same seaport where Gwen and Everett are from, and uh, so I call this one Gwen too. And even though she's speaking another language, it's weird. I can understand her perfectly huh. in English. And whenever I get through doing this and we record it and we put it in Waypad and we can slow it down and get in more information, I always go and do my research thoroughly uh-huh. to find out. And so, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, what's this city over here in Europe? Where is it? And blah, blah, blah. And, and, it's, and, and, you, and you have to kind of do, you become a history buff. Well, I love history anyway, so. And it learned about the federation of these three independent areas over there that eventually mm-hmm. 
became Switzerland, but then was part of Austria and Switzerland. And, and you had a German influence and stuff like that. Right. And this is where George, Barbara and Libby comes from that, that, that migrated and, and was building a house over on my property. And, um, and, and they didn't quite make it. Uh, they got killed by Indians and everything and stuff. So, so for some reason, and I, I don't know what it is. And cause I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just like everybody else. I'm nothing special. Now, my wife, you said I was unique in your introduction. Right. Well, my wife calls me unique. Her Christmas card this year what had a, like a little candy cane, had a candy cane, a uh, uh, candy cane with two eyes on there and a little hat. <laughs> and it says, you're sweet. And then you open it up. And, and this one of her Christmas cards to me says, you're sweet as can be, but a little twisted. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I had a question. Um, I talked to other UFO abductees who have told me that they also have um, psychic abilities. And they think it came, you know, um, the, the theory is that it came from being abducted. Because, you know, the, 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 uh, yeah. the aliens are teaching you guys how, you know, how, how to use your mind to communicate with them. Do you think it's that? Well, I look at it this way. <clears throat> excuse me, allergies year round down here in Tennessee. Um, I kind of look at it this way is that I think we all are born with some type of psychic abilities. I mean, sure. we all, I mean, going down this, say you're on a trip with your, with your wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, or your right. kids. And you say, and, and say, say, say your other half and you're going down and, and, and then you come up and say, well, I'm getting hungry. And the other person says, well, you know, I'm getting hungry too. And then you say, well, you know what? I had a taste for waffle house. And the other person goes, you know, I had that same taste for waffle house. And I'm sitting up there going, how many different restaurants there are at, exits off the interstate or wherever you're going mm -hmm. and how many you have to choose from that when you do it once it may be a coincidence but when, sure. you, when it happens all the time or quite more than once and more than what the odds were mm -hmm. then 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 there's there's got to be a, some kind of psychic connection built into all of us okay i think what happens though is that and and I've talked this over with Brett and Brent and other people too, is that people people who are abductees have different other things happening to them besides being an abductee. And uh, I've seen Native Americans up in Reedyville, Tennessee, in a farm field where the Cherokee Trailers went. Um, uh, people call my house the paranormal palace because of everything. And, and I've got two late, I got a ley line right running north, south ley line running right through my kitchen. Busy and, place. And, um, and then, you know, most people say my house is only like 17, 18 years old because we had it built. And they said, well, you can't have a ghost because your house is not old enough. 
I said, yeah, the house is not old enough. No one's died in it. There's been no tragedy or anything. But what people forget is that the ground is about 3 billion years old. Right. And everything. But, but I think what happens that when you being an abductee, you already have this ability and, and depending, you know, anybody can be an abductee. Uh, you could be driving home. I could be, I could be going somewhere tonight mm -hmm. and, and, and never had an experience in my whole life. And then say driving down to Walmart and then on the way back, they grab me and then that'll be the one and only time. Right. But, but then you have people like me who are lifelong. And matter of fact, these things are still going on. They got, they came and got, I'm, I'm 70 years old and they came and got me the other night and left scratches on my hip and my side. And, uh, and, and, and there's certain marks that they put on you. Yeah. And these aren't like ghost marks. When you do a ghost investigation, these are, these are, it's patterns that they, that they leave on me. And so when I got first got into this field, researching all this stuff back in the mm nineties, -hmm. it was like, well, they leave you alone when you hit, hit 50 and I'm going, well, okay. Well, no, not for me. And, but I think what happens is this, is that you're an abductee and you're taking that first time and it can have a serious effect on you and you get in there and you research just as much as me say, but, or you can be like me and have these multiple experiences. And it's like, it's a mystery and you try to solve the mystery. Then how do you solve? You got to use your gut instinct, your sixth sense, which is a psychic thing. So you build it up yourself. You build it up yourself. In, in my opinion, now you may be enhanced a little bit by things that they do to you, but, but, I think we give too much credit to them for, I gotta be honest with you. I'm not one of these people that I, there, there's a difference to me between an abductee and a contactee. Okay. A contactee is someone who's basically had good experiences mm -hmm. and they talk about their being taught things and learning things and uh shown things and stuff like that mm -hmm. and and they are quote unquote space brother and and i do not dismiss at all any of those experiences but you can't dismiss my experiences either because mm -hmm. there's only a couple of things i can say right in stone which i think is real I'm an abductee. I've been one for a long time. And as of right now, I don't like them. They go against my free will. It's like they've given me, they've given me, um, a ride mm -hmm. on a spaceship, say on one of their crafts, they show me stuff. And then next thing they know, they take me, they take me over to a room and they stick a cup on my penis and suck my sperm out. And, you know, and I'm going, you know, Hey, wait a minute now that's rape. You know I mean? You know, that, that you're doing it against my will. You bring mm -hmm. a good looking girl over here. We'll talk and everything, but, but don't do it on, you know, don't do it without my permission. Right. You know, they may be only reason they're smarter than us 
because in my opinion, they've been around a hell of a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, look how much smarter we are now, maybe not in common sense wise, but maybe so than what, than what we were back in 5,000 years ago, mm-hmm. our technology has gained and everything. And when, and when I wrote this chapter for Brett's first book, children are great about the alien agenda. And, and it's like, here's these, they're coming down and they're like gods because they're, they're sky gods and every culture has these sky gods. And one thing I found out and not too many people know this is that the same gods that were, that were in, in, in South America and Central America and in North America, Canada, and the same gods that were over in the Middle East, mm-hmm. China, they're all the same gods, just with different names yeah. based on their, the, the culture. Like Hermes and Mercury, the exact same mm-hmm. god. And here's something else. And I think this, this should empower women, females, to the, to the high zenith is that if you study this and go in depth and don't just look at one source, look at multiple sources, which it took me three months to research this one chapter is that you hear about Zeus being the top Greek God. Mm -hmm. i tell you what, he wasn't the top Greek God. That's all you hear about because who wrote the stories? Guys, right? Mm -hmm. But you know who was the top God? And all of these cultures were the wives or the female. And why? Because they held the knowledge. You know, you can be strong and stuff, but if you can't, if you don't know how to move a rock and here's a female that weighs a hundred pounds and they can move a rock, then they got more power than you. And so all these guys were, 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 I mean, like you got the asset guys of the brother and sister. Well, sister would have the knowledge. It was the it was the females who imparted the knowledge to the inhabitants of the earth in almost every single culture. The only reason that man, I mean, that man gets all the credit is because there are a bunch of buttheads to start with on this ego trip. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was that way when cavemen were around, say, for example, and 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 the women weren't strong enough, the females weren't strong enough to go out and kill a big old mastodon. Right. But then, and then, and then, and then, but then women over here, oh man, look here, we're having hot meat tonight because we learned how fire, Hell, we know how to start a fire, you don't. You're eating cold cuts, I'm eating a skillet food and, and everything. And, and, and then you have all these religions basically propagating this whole thing that women are the weaker sex and I went through a divorce. I found out that women are not weak. <laughs> I got taken to the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> and everything. And and you know, and I and I kid people says, you know, it's just like you know, just like this thing I saw on Facebook. If a man uh says something in the in the woods, is he still wrong? You know, something like oh, yeah. But but women, 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 I mean, women are the are the top of the line. If you look at the Stitchens books, 
uh, his books and, and you and you look at them and you do his back research and not just his books, but all the stuff he wrote about, then the people up there, Nebru, whatever, they were females that sent Aniki and Neil and all them down here. It, it wasn't me, it wasn't a male, the male, the female, because the female has the knowledge. Absolutely. I had a question too. You know, what I find fascinating is like like you say, I like the way you divide the abductees. From the contactees. From the contactees. Because a lot of people that I've talked to have have, have made um, ro rosy statements about the aliens. You know, where, where, where they don't feel there's anything negative about them. And to hear you talk, you know, yours is like Barney and Betty Hill where they were doing tests and all this stuff. And the tests aren't, you know, the, the tests aren't so great. I mean, when I, when I think of be, being abducted, I think of big long needles for a pregnancy test, you know, and I'm thinking they're going to uh, be plucking my eyeballs out and checking everything, you know, ch checking all my orifices. Yeah, well, we'll see. That's what happened to um, to um, oh, the interrupted journey. Uh, the black couple. Betty and Barney Hill. Yeah, Betty Hill talks about. A needle being put in her navel for a pregnancy test. Yeah. Everything. I was back years ago when the internet first started up and you had dial up on your phone. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a group called, there was a thing on the internet called Periscope. Right. And Periscope and Periscope, it was different things. And one thing was you could start up your own chat rooms. So this guy started up a chat room called Alien Abduction Support. Alien. Abductee Experiencer Support, AES. And um, and so I was one of the first ones in this group because I'm trying to find my answers. And at mm -hmm. the same time, ARG, I started up ARG to help other people. Well, we're in there and it gets up to be, and back then you had a limit of 25 or 30 people could come into the chat room. Mm -hmm. then you could start up your own little chat room and take some other people over there and then what you're trying to be uppity or anything you just didn't have enough room in here for everybody so they started up another room mm -hmm. and so but some guy came in one day and and to the chat room there was an opening and this guy got in and everybody welcomed him and everything mm -hmm. and we had one rule you don't slam anybody mm -hmm. because everybody's story is different and stuff well this guy comes in and for about five minutes he listens to people telling stories good stories bad stories you know, and, and, and everything, he comes up and says, well, all those people telling those wrong story, all those stories about how the aliens and our space brothers hurt us, though they are completely wrong. They don't hurt us at all and everything. And, and he goes on and on for about two minutes like this. And, and, and you can barely get in a, a chat line because he was typing so quick. He must've been yeah. speaking it. And then it just going up on the screen. And I got, and, and I'm not one to hold back. Okay. I, I'm not one to slam somebody. You know, I got, I, you know, if somebody doesn't slam me, I won't slam them. I don't care what they believe. Just don't tell me how to believe. But this guy came in and says, well, aliens are, but I mean, he was saying this in big letters. Mm -hmm. He was yelling, aliens are our space brothers. They never heard us and blah, blah, blah. We're here to teach us. They're that smarter, blah, 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 blah. It ticked me off. And I wrote up, I wrote, uh, and I wrote in caps, 
let them stick a needle in your nuggets and draw out sperm and tell me that doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I didn't use the word nugget. I use, you know, another word. Of course you did. <laughs> and, 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 and then, and then he, it just shuts him up. Cause I mean, and I said, you tell me, you come and tell my face, tell me face to face that didn't hurt. And, yeah. um, See, because one thing they did, I told you, you know, I said it a couple of seconds, a few minutes ago about sucking out. Mm-hmm. Well, back in 93, 94, I had a vasectomy and they couldn't get it anymore that way. Cause I mean, I'm shooting blanks now. Right. Vasectomy. So, so they keep it going. And I've talked to urologists about this too, is that they still want my sperm. Because, I, and, and as far as I know, I have at least two, maybe three hybrid children. And, um, but they still want my sperm. And so what they do now and, uh, that they take a needle, uh, like a hypodermic type of needle, oh boy. stick it right in the nugget, right, right where the, 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 tr- the vast track is and, and everything and take it out that way. <laughs> and so I had to learn. And so I'm, I wake up and I'm hurting like heck down there. And I, and I got blood down in my drawers uh, or on the sheets when I wake up in the morning and I'm going, what, what's going on? I don't know. I can't figure it out. And then, um, and then about three months later, my left one hurts same way. And I mean, it hurts. Like if I, if give you, if I wake up uh, Friday morning and it's hurting, I feel like someone took a baseball bat to me. And then and it hurts like heck. I'm walking a little funny. Um, I, I, cold water just was driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and then by Saturday, it would just hurt all day, all night. I have a hard time sleeping. And then by Sunday afternoon, it would go away real quick. And it'd be gone. And then three months later, it was the left one. Then three months later, the right one. I mean, this was a constant thing. And finally, it was, it's kind of a weird, strange way this thing happened, but I'm going to, I'm going to go speak with uh, on Whitley Strieber's panel down at Cocoa Beach, Florida at a conference uh-huh. one year. And this is back around 98, 99, something like that. And, um, and I'm sitting on the beach. I've been trying to find someone who's had this same experience. And for some reason, I have not shared it in the AES chat group yet, but I was, I was, I don't know why I didn't, but I, I'm trying to find someone mm-hmm. and, I'm, and, and asking other people besides the people who know me know that I don't BS and everything. And so that the conference, that, that speaking thing with Whitley was on a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Saturday after Saturday evening, after the last speaker of the night, we all go out on the beach and well, actually Saturday afternoon, late Saturday afternoon, because we can see Kate Kennedy, Kate Canaveral from the beach, from the hotel. And we're watching one of those big rockets shoot off and which was pretty cool from yeah. there. And, and so we're sitting on the beach. I'm sitting there about 20, 30 other people. And we're just sky watching, talking, BSing, you know, just having fun, 
all of us have had a bite to eat whole nine yards. People are coming up to me and, and talking to me about since, you know, like I'm some kind of expert because I'm telling about my experiences. The only thing I'm an expert on is I got a big mouth and I'm not afraid to share. And, um, uh, so then this lady comes, I, I, I'm sitting there and this, this is like 10 o'clock at night. And I get a tap on my shoulder and, and, and I turn around, it's this young lady in her mid twenties. She says, can you come over and she kind of leans down and whispers, can you come over and talk to my husband? And I'm going, sure. And so I get up and I, I said, excuse me for a little bit, a few minutes. So I go over there and talk to her husband. Her husband's sitting over there by himself on the sand. And he says, he's having these problems and he can't find anybody that can help him with it. And then, and then I saw you, heard you talk. And then I saw you, I said, I'm going to get you. And so, so I go over and talk to him and find out he's a first confirmation. I had heard about this same as that procedure that I was going to about every two to three months for him, about every three months for me and the same thing. And he felt so good that he was not alone, that, that he's not going crazy. And his wife said, I knew he wasn't going crazy because I could see the blood. I could see the pin mark, the needle mark, mark. You know, I, I showed it to my wife and her being a nurse, she knows what a hypodermic needle. And she said, it looks like a hypodermic being stuck in there. So, so anyway, Conference is over, but I stay over another day because there's some friends there. Right. And and so I get in my car. I drive back over to Orlando Airport and we'll catch my plane back home. And the thing is, is that um, I missed the time. I missed the time. I get over like way three hours early. Mm-hmm. And this is before all this 9-11 where you had to get there, you know, they asked you to get there an hour and a half, two hours early. This And so I'm going, oh, man, this is going to be boring. So I get me a magazine. I go over and sit in a, in, in, in a gate where nobody's sitting and there's no planes taking off. And I'm sitting there and some guy comes up in a suit, briefcase, sits right next to me. And and there's not anybody around for for quite a good distance around me. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I look at him and I think, well, what's this guy doing? I mean, you got all these damn chairs. What's he doing sitting next to me? He says, and then, and then I didn't, I, I did I wasn't going to ask him that question. I was just going to say hi, you know, and then going to try to figure out what's going on. But he came up and talked first. He says, I don't know why, but I need to, something told me to come over here and talk to you. Mm-hmm. And he started telling me this story, found out he was an abductee and this guy was not at the conference. And, and this was when the flight ticket showed, he was at a, a double ticket, like one for coming from one city to this city, to another city. He was kind of hopscotching. Mm-hmm. And, and I see where he had just come in from another city, wait for his plane to take off. He tells me the exact same story about the needle and the nuggets. I'm going, oh my gosh. And I'm going, that's two confirmations within three or four days. I'm going, oh. And so then I get home and then I get home. And about three, 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 about three weeks later, I get an email in from uh, this uh, amateur, from this 
professor who's an astronomer for Northwestern, I think it was Northwestern University. Well, the one up, one of them up in, uh, not Northwestern, uh, up in Maine. Sure. Uh, Ray Fowler. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Ray Fowler. I have, yes. He sends me an email. And by this time in this three-week period, I've told the AES group, well, the guy, Jeff, who has started up the AES group, lived next to Ray Fowler. Jeff told Ray, Ray was interested, called me, and says, I think we're having the exact same experience. Mm -hmm. And so Ray sends me this email with all these medical terms. I'm going, man, this is like over my head. I'm because I don't know medical terms and, and, and everything. And, and so I give it to my wife and, and, and she pulls out one of her books, looks at it and says, he's saying the exact same thing that you're saying, Sandy. And then, and then I told that story to Brent Rains and Brent Rains was interviewing him from AP one year for, and not too long after that. Or a couple of years later and asked him says hey i remember sending sandy that email and see ray fowler had never said that he was an abductee but he wrote that you know the, mm-hmm. the the allagash abduction and and the other ones and and this guy was some top professor of astronomy so i mean it was like i mean it's like stepping stones well you mentioned that you um think that you have three hybrid children why do you think that? Uh, because um, I've had experiences. Um, I've only seen them like I've seen two of them twice and once, maybe once time. And um, they, they definitely use women as, as incubators mm-hmm. to, to, for, for hybrid children abduct women females who claim abductions have a higher percentage than normal than what's normal of uh spontaneous abortions and 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 um and um uh spontaneous abortion that's a abortion that your body does on to you not not somebody else um and then uh uh failures of the fetus to 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 thing and absorption and 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 i've I've talked to women Uh and uh females 95 percent of the people i deal with are females and for some reason i don't know why they just kind of i become their sounding board they tell me everything they told me so many secrets that if i told anybody i would lose all my credibility but i mean i don't do this and i can talk in general terms but I've had women who who were so dead set on being a virgin, say when they got married, and and never has done anything physically with a guy or any type of clinic or anything like that. And then they they start getting sick and they go to the doctor and the doctor says, You're pregnant. And they do ultra and this was when ultrasounds first started coming out. Mm-hmm. They said, here's the thing here's your baby in there and then they lose it he said well how do you get pregnant when you don't do anything mm-hmm. and which is really weird now i was talking to this british lady who's married 
but she lived up in Washington state and her husband worked for a, um, a, a company that did a lot of high technical work with the government. Mm -hmm. And she was an abductee and she was a writer. And she told me that, and, and she, she, she had been, she had always been slender her whole life. And then when she got up to about 20, she started gaining weight and she couldn't figure out why. So she thought she maybe had a thyroid problem, no thyroid or glands or whatever, uh -huh. adding to her weight because there's more than people can get heady, heady and, and gain a lot of weight from physical reasons and not just uh -huh. eating food. And, um, which is something I have to work, you know, be take care of because I got a thyroid, I, my thyroids don't work anymore. So I'm on medicine for that. Cause I mean, it'll make me hungry. I'll scarf food down and stuff. But she said that she tried every diet. She's been to dietitian. She's been to her doctor, blah, blah, blah. No matter what she does, she can't get, get her weight down. And she'd been fighting this for over four years. And she said that she had had at least one hybrid. Mm -hmm. and, so. and, and they told her, this is what she told me. And, and, and I, and I believed her. She said that, that the ETs, whichever ones they were, and I forgot which one she said, I can go back in my records and find, find out exactly. And she, she was telling me this. she didn't tell her husband this. she was telling me this. And she says the ETs keep her weight up on purpose because a, 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 a heavier female is better to carry the hybrid between their species and ours and everything, which is kind of, I mean, somebody could say, well, that's just an excuse, but you know, with, you know, taking sperm for me, that could be an excuse, you know, or, or anything like that, you know, and, and it's like, you know, you kind of, I go by feelings. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and my feeling is that, that when I first started talking to you, I liked you. Okay. And I can just feel it. I, maybe I'm empathic. I don't know, but it's like, I like you. Okay. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and I usually can tell if I don't like someone within a couple of minutes, right. I don't know if this is empathic, I watch these welcome home videos from from soldiers coming back from Iraq and Iran, I mean, and Iran and, and these other bases. And my wife was in the military and my wife and I lost a son-in-law to Iraq and everything. And I watch these videos and I'm watching it and everything. And I'm, 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 I'm 5'11", a little over 5'11", weigh about 230 pounds. And I'm not a crybaby. Right. But there's certain things that make me cry. And I watch those videos and I don't know why, but I look at them and it's like, <laughs> I don't do that, but I start getting misty eyed because it's like, I'm feeling the emotions from, from, from what their parents are feeling or their girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever is feeling of the, of coming back safe and well. And maybe I developed this with my, my daughter, she's 35. And uh, my oldest is 41, and then my youngest son is is 37, 
Mm-hmm. And I almost lost my th- the, 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 my youngest son with hyaluronic membrane disease. 20% is a living, uh, that's a lung disease when he was born. And then my daughter almost died. Uh, she lost 40% of her blood with a uh, rupture ovarian cyst. And she had about 40 minutes to go, the doctor said, before she would have totally bled out and she would have gone into hypovolemic shock. But I think this, I don't know, then maybe this is what made me different, the different child in my family. Because my dad called me a crybaby like at four or five years of age. You know, I've had three children. They cry at four and five. (laughs) Four and five-year-olds cry for, you know, they get a little bump. Oh, cry. You know, I've raised three children. I got three grandchildren. (laughs) And, And, but my dad just, he was a great dad. Don't get me wrong. My mom was great. They just didn't understand me and and my youngest brother phil the one who had the heart attack and passed he said he told my mom one day when he was up from from college and said sandy's too nice he needs to get (laughs) tougher i can't be any tougher i can defend myself i will defend myself uh uh tennessee has carry laws which are gun handgun carry laws which are different But I'm not a bad guy. I'm not going out and robbing stores or anything. I'm defending if I need to. And, 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 you know, it doesn't mean I'm a conservative. I'm not a liberal. I'm not independent. As a matter of fact, I'm basically nothing because I don't trust any of these suckers anymore, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, 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 um, uh, but, you know, maybe that's why. My mother was this way up until the day she passed, and, and, and she was like 83, 84 when she passed. And when my wife and I got married in 1992, she came up, and I did not know this. The, my wife and her were talking back and forth. This is my second marriage and my wife's second marriage and blah, blah, blah. 92, sorry, 92. And, and before we got married, and she says, she came up and says, I'm glad you're marrying Sandy because he needs someone to take care of him. This is the way my mom was. But then after she passed, it was like, you know, Sandy, I thought you were, I thought you needed help. You're the strongest one in the whole family because you live in this life and you're living this crazy human life at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. Think about that. I mean, I mean, and, and you got to be strong to yourself because you live in a haunted house. You know, it's haunted. You aren't running out screaming, going to some other place, safety and everything. You're dealing with it. You, you and it may, it may startle you every once in a while, but it's not driving you away. It's true. And you look at other people. We've taken people into, uh, uh, because we basically needed to, or had to, cause somebody invited them. And they said, well, if we hear anything, we're going to run that way. And I said, right. no, we're going, we're going to the danger. We're going to the sounds. That's our job and everything. So, I mean, you could be getting out of there too, but you aren't. So you have to be stronger than somebody who's scared of ghosts. Mm-hmm. I, I was coming back from, uh, uh, from Miami and, and, uh, from Miami era from Fort Lauderdale airport. And there was a Jamaican woman next to me and she had been down to see her mom. 
she and she saw my little alien UFO hat. And of course, that gives me she asked me about it, and that gives me the perfect opportunity to chit chat with her. And she was telling me about she had an aunt that came that, that she was back in Jamaica visiting her mom. She lived in Miami and and she's visiting and she's visiting her mom back there. And she's sitting on the end of the bed of her bedroom. And all of a sudden, her aunt comes through the door, comes through the door and, 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 and comes over to her and her aunt had died. And her aunt just came right through the door and Kate was coming over to her. It scared her so much that she screamed and yelled and yelled. And then her aunt vanished. And I just looked at her. I said, well, your aunt must have been a very bad person and must have hurt you really bad. And you were scared of her when she was alive. And she goes, but since you were so scared of her now, and I'm going, and she goes, no, she was like a second mother to me. And I love my mother and I love my aunt. Mm-hmm. And I just adored her and everything. And I said, why were you scared of her? Why were you scared? And there's that she, and she, she going, and she looked and she's no one's ever asked her that question. And it's like, why were you scared? She says, well, because that's not, she's not supposed to be there because it's not real. I said, did you see her? Yes. Was it real? Yes. So why were you scared of her? Right. And they, you know, people are taught that these things aren't real. And then when it happens to them, it's like, eh, they're scared. So well, that's- you, you overcome that. Well, that's well, I have an agreement with mine because I I know um, I can tell when it's what when it's a ghost that doesn't belong here. Like if I pick something up in an investigation, it follows me. I know when it's not one here because the majority of the ones that are here are my relatives, and so the agreement I have with them is that you know I know you're here, you know I know you're here. Don't scare me. But I can tell right away. Like I've had uh, instances where the front of my air conditioner has has been ripped off. And then thrown across the room. Now, I know that's not my relatives. They're not going to do that stuff. So then I'll take action. But until that point, you know, uh, it's it, it's an active house. You get real tired here a lot. But, I mean, you know, I know who it is. You know what I did when I buried that Amethyst stone? Because I heard they created portals and did everything. Mm-hmm. And to me, that Amethyst stone buried three feet under my entry foyer. Uh, actually, it's six feet under my because I got no, seven feet under my entry for you, right under the middle of it, because that's where I wanted to do oh, some oh, spirit yeah. talk, you know, do some yeah. ghost stuff. Because I had taken some photos and stuff of stuff that was there when the house was being built. Uh-huh. And and plus, at the same time, you know, the pineapple, a pineapple uh, 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 emblem was put on gates and mailboxes back years and years ago mm-hmm. and a pineapple was an old symbol is an old symbol for welcome to our home so i'm in this new new age thing which is not new age it's just old age that we're just learning again mm-hmm. so and i'm thinking well i'm not gonna put a pineapple under there let me put an amethyst stone sure and and if it does create a portal, and I left it open, if it does, then I says I'm making a deal with with whoever it comes in, and 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 I did this. I says, you come up, and I will give you a way. I will give you a doorway into this 
into this dimension. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can roam around my house. You can roam around the property. You can talk to us. You can touch us. You can do other things as long as you do two things that when you do this stuff, if you touch us, if you talk to us, you don't do it in a scary way where it right. startles somebody. And the most important things, you all keep the bad guys out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yep. my daughter's 37. I mean, sorry, my daughter's 35. She's a paramedic with the National Fire Department. Um, she's got a 10 year old that it was her husband who committed, you know, who died, you know, from the Iraq war. And, 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 and she's, and, and her daughter was two and a half when, when her daddy died, my wife's husband died. And, um, but, and so I was helping take care of my granddaughter when she was young. Mm -hmm. My wife was doing some of her, my daughter was doing her paramedic stuff, working these weird hours and helping people and I was helping her out at our house and so we had a crib over there and stuff like that and so I mean and then I was play with her feed her feed her lunch and then a little bit after lunch not right after lunch but an hour after lunch or so Mm -hmm. you know she'd be getting tired I put her down in the crib uh, in the upstairs bedroom and I had a monitor not a video monitor but I had an audio monitor there and over mm-hmm. in my office and she would just be and the first time I did this and I and I, I said you know what let me I put the audio the the baby monitor up there immediately mm-hmm. and then I said you know what I'm just gonna let her cry herself to sleep and then give her a certain amount of time then go up and pick her up and try to get her sleep by me holding her patting her whatever right so, and then I said, because I got I to gotta do some of my work. I was holding back on my work for about six, about nine months doing this. And uh, so I put her up there and she's crying. And about second or third time did this. And this was, I was doing this about two or three times a week too. Okay. And uh, helping my daughter out two or three times a week with this. And about the third time I went to put her down uh, in her crib to take a nap, she was crying. And I mean, she was top of her voice. And, 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 I, and I'm almost getting ready to turn down the volume a little bit because I can still hear her on the lower volume. And then all of a sudden I started hearing voices. I'm the only one there. Right. And I'm hearing voices and I'm going, who else is in this house? Who came home? My wife, my daughter, who, who? So I go walk around the house. Nobody's there. I go up there and my, and my granddaughter, I go peek in her room and she's up here and she just like that. And I'm going, is she playing with someone? And my wife calls that the antique room to begin with because she put some older type furniture in there that she got mm-hmm. in the ocean. And I go down from that day on, put her down crying. She didn't cry every time when I put her down. Sometimes she just baby talk. Mm-hmm. And you could hear the other ones. You can hear the ghost 
talking to her mm -hmm. and, and they were playing with her. And then she eventually got tired and, and, and she went to sleep. They were the great babysitters. Yeah. And, and I, and that was part of my deal. You don't, you know, don't hurt them. Right. And if they do hurt somebody, then, uh, then, uh, then, or we had a gathering one day and, and it got, got the stove with gas burners on there. Somebody was leaning against the gas burner and we were a bunch of us were in the kitchen talking. Next thing you know, it was, man, my butt's hot. Turns up. One of the ghosts had turned on the butter and I went, uh, uh, and right there. And they, all these, my friends knew what I was doing. And I said, uh, 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 I don't, I don't know if there may be a joke you played or whatever, but you just don't do that. It never happened again. But I would go in my office and it'd be dark and then put something down. Next thing I know, the light's coming on and stuff like that. It's really cool kind of living in a haunted house. And everything. I can, go ahead. And, and if anybody want to see what my house is like, if you, if you don't mind me, do a quick plug. Oh, go for it. Go, go, to, go to YouTube and type in my name, Sandy Nichols. And and Sandy Nichols Paranormal Palace trailer, like a like a a, a a movie trailer, Paranormal Palace trailer, and it's about a six minute video. We were I was working with someone trying to get our own little TV show series up, but it didn't work out because they wanted to make it like a Duck Dynasty or a Hee Haw mm -hmm. show, and I went, uh, 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 I'm not going that route. And even though I loved Hee Haw, didn't like Duck Dynasty all that much, but I love Hee Haw. But this is serious work. I don't mind joking around, but right. serious. So, uh, so they, they can go there and they can see my friends and 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 the only one they won't see on there is Brett because he was out of town, mm -hmm. living back in Vegas. Did you know this about Brett Odom? Uh, is that did you know that he he's in the Las Vegas Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I saw that online. Yeah, yeah. That's he, really cool. He was living in Nashville at the time when he did that. And and he's such a good friend of mine. He's written three books so far, and he interviewed me for two of his books. And I had a wrote a chapter from one of his books. And and then Brent and Brent Rains, like I said, he's been a friend and mm -hmm. you know, a good friend and stuff. And you gotta have friends, you know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, what other question do you have for me? I have a question about your property and the artifacts you have found. Oh, okay. Um, okay. My wife and I got married, night two. Mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, going through a divorce, and the divorce was through, and I built a house. And then, I, and so while I'm building the house, we're dating and then I move into the house uh, uh, six months before we actually get married in March of 92. So we move into the house and um, I move into the house. We get married, then we move her in. She sells her condos and she, so we're living together now full time in my house that I had built after my divorce. Well, we stay in there and there was something special about that property to begin with. Mm -hmm because we were not even supposed to look at it. And, and we were living, my wife had, uh, uh, well, this property we were supposed to, this is the first house I had and there was stuff happening there. Then she, 
she sold her business. She moved her business down to Miami. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we moved back up here after about two years and we moved back because my mom got sick and my dad got, you know, had had his heart failure and lived like three weeks, right. A week after I moved down there and she was down there six months before me. So we come back and we buy this property where we're at now. And, um, and, and we, we were going to fly back up here every weekend for four or five weeks to, to find the perfect property. We wanted to buy our dream house because I was not going to move anymore. I'm going to die in that house because I'm tired of moving from house to house. I don't care if it's in the same city or in another state. I'm, I'm not going to move anymore. So the house I'm sitting in right now, this is my pool house I'm in or my main mm -hmm. cave. It's my pool house, my office and my man cave all rolled into one. And, um, and so, uh, we, we bought this property. Now there's a backstory to how this property came about. I had three dreams starting in January 92, mm -hmm. had these three dreams every month for, for four and one half years solid. And the last, and, and so it started in January 92, March of 92. It, the last, I had the three dreams on three consecutive nights, the same dreams, the same dreams. And the last night we were on our honeymoon, I had the dream. <laughs> And then April, so on and so forth. And then it gets all, it goes all the way up every month. And I'm going, what the hell's going on? Plus I'm having other things. I go see the psychologist lady. I'm going nuts. Give me some pills, put me in a hospital. I don't know what's going on. I'm having all these weird dreams. And start having regressive hypnosis. And this lady was no fly by night person. She was the head psychologist for the Nashville school district. And we're talking thousands and thousands of children. Okay. Nashville, not many people know that Nashville is like the 27th largest city in the United States and everything. So it's a big city and grow it, grow it, grow it. And, um, but, um, so I went to see her. She put me through this regressive hypnosis. She didn't know what it was. She talked to a psychiatrist friend says, well, you got one too. She didn't tell me what it is or anything, but we had built this house and, and we're building the house for about nine months through with it. We're living in a little house in a little area called spring Hill. And the next, and, and, and so I'm going over to the house. She goes to church one Sunday. She comes back. She wants to take a nap. We've got one of our black labs. And I put him in the back of the SUV and we, in the black lab, Hogan and I go over to the house, run around for two or three hours, let her get a good nap in. And on the way out, um, we bought the first lot, built the first house and lived here for two and a half years before the second house was built. And somebody lives here in this neighborhood huh. and it's an equestrian neighborhood with horses, but we don't have horses. We have two black labs. They're big enough. So, so we're pulling out and as I'm, and, and this, this is in, this is in 90, this is in 95, six, no, what this is 92. No, this is in 2003. 
okay, 2004, something like that. So 2004, 2005. And I'm taking the puppy home mm -hmm. and we're going back to the house and, and, and I kind of live on a, I live on a, uh, a, what they call a watershed, which is a ridge that holds all the water to feed all the creeks in the valleys. And, and, and I go up this little, uh, my road, which is a dead end, go up to the main road and go around. And as I'm going down the hill, going down to the valley, all of a sudden I slam on my brakes. The exact geographical location that was the same geographical location in all three of those dreams I had on the 13th, 14th, and 15th of every month for four and a half years was the exact valley and location of where we built our house. Wow. And I didn't know it. I didn't know it. And then, and then, um, and so we built it. There were some balls of lights that was seen by the, by the developers people late at night because there's white horse trails all around our, our neighborhood for the mm -hmm. horse, horse riding trails. There's a big farm over here. There's a woods behind my house that, that goes down about this deep. It goes down into a valley. I started having gatherings and Brett and Brent were coming along with other people. It'd be anywhere from say 20 people, you know, say 10 people up to 30, 40, 50 people. You know, I mean, ever I felt like invited and it'd be all, you know, bring food, potluck, everything. I supply the soft drinks. Everybody else brings everything, you know, all mm -hmm. the other food. And I would supply a dish too. Well, my wife would cook it. Now my wife wasn't into this. So when we had, she was very nice about this and, she would go back and read her book. So I'd have these people over. Brent Rains came up and asked me, says, listen, I met this new guy. Is it all right if we bring him up? And I'm going, yeah. And he says, well, he lives down in Huntsville, Alabama, which is about an hour south of Nashville. Mm -hmm. That's where the Huntsville Space and Rocket Center is. And um, so he comes up. And I didn't know this guy was a psychic. Matter of fact, his name is his his name is Lamont Hamilton, and everybody calls him Monty, and he's a world psychic. He's been psychic his whole his whole life, but and people are, not a lot of people believe in psychics. And I says, well, do you believe in NASA? And they go, yeah, I believe in NASA. I says, well, he used to be one of NASA's top space shuttle engineers for twenty three years before Obama shut down the space shuttle program sure and in 2012 or 13 I think 2012 well monty comes he asked me if he could walk around i said yeah yeah walk around all you want outside inside whatever just don't go through the drawers because you might see something personal don't want anybody to go rummage through my underwear and everything so i get people because yeah, yeah the house got ghosts in it yeah go try to take a picture wherever and outside inside doesn't matter disrespect the privacy of of, of, of the drawers of the cat and stuff like that. And, um, and that was basically my own rule and you don't slam somebody and you, I don't care if you drink beer or wine, but if you get stinking, stinking drunk, then I'm going to kick your butt out because we don't need that. Cause sometimes we have kids there too. So Monty goes around, he comes up and he goes outside and he walks around and he's been there about an hour so far. And this was one of my rare, afternoon when this one started at three in the afternoon mm -hmm. Normally I start them at six o'clock on Saturday or something and um 
And so this is a three o'clock start on Saturday afternoon. And, you know, it's going to be a nice sunny day. So Monty's walking around, blah, blah, blah. And he comes up and says, you got a ley line in this yard. I said, you got a ley line? He said, yeah. He showed us where it was. We pulled out our dowsing rods and those things were going. Pew. And Brent, uh, Brad Odom and, and his wife pulled out their dowsing rods. Everybody could feel it. We And we had our uh, flurs. And the flurs okay. would activate to, with them too. I've got a flur in this Val Rojas. She brought out her flur. And you can get, you can see these photos on Facebook, okay? Sure. If people go to my Facebook page, that I've got all my photos on Facebook and, and what we've actually found. And I'm still finding things. So Monty comes up and tells me, uh, comes up and tells me, he says, you know, there was Indians here at one time and I'm going and, and he says, but not native Americans. I'm going, well, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what other Indians are there? Aztec, Mayan, Omex, Incas. He says, yeah, one of them. And, but he says, but I can't tell exactly who it is. Mm-hmm. He says, they used and see and he took me down to the back corner of the yard. I've got a little over two acres and a riding trail fence here and a fence on the east side, a riding trail fence on the back side, starting the woods going down the hill to the valley. He says they used to roll big stone balls, three to six feet in diameter from the corner of your property here down the hill into the valley to make sounds. Well, and he says, I, and I'm going to do this piece by piece. The valley is like an amphitheater. Okay. You can be on one end. Someone could be on the other end. We're talking as loud as what we're talking now. And you can hear the other person. It's like a natural amphitheater. But there's something about that valley. And it's a valley. And, and, and the ground slopes just like that. Now. He said, Civil War soldiers used to run up and down this right where the riding trail is. Well, I found out from the guy across the street whose great great grandparents used to own all that property that for a development plus more area, more land. They owned a lot of property. And uh, where they, my house was located, my house located, they used, they used to farm it. And, and uh, there was 3,000 Confederate, and well, a guy across the street, and it's like a great grandson. Mm-hmm. Three, he's a Civil War historian, part, part way, part time. 3,000 Confederate cavalry, grill, cavalry guerrillas used to come up and down the side of my property and parallel the farm on the other side and go down into the valley. And on and about halfway into the woods, and then where it goes from like this to this where they could go down move their wagons and their horses and stuff hmm. so that was the old and and they used it because it was, and then they would come to my property because i found out when we built the house there's underground creeks all through the neighborhood oh yeah and they've created uh uh, uh spring-fed ponds mm-hmm. and whoever and and where my you got the house and the pool and the pool house at the end of the pool 
area. And where the pool is, there's an, and, and it lines up east, uh, east uh, west, east. Mm -hmm. The water runs west, I mean, runs east right under my pool and out to the riding trail and hangs the left, hang, goes north down into the valley and splits off and creates another spring fed pond in a farm field next door with horses and cows and stuff. And, and right where the pool is, is where their main ceremonial site was. Now we knew this because we've got an in-ground irrigation system and we tried to come up and tap into it, but there's a mm -hmm. broken line about halfway over, but water still flows through there. Well, Monty tells me this stuff about Indians and stuff like that. I've got the cat information. I've got the, uh, I've got, I had a retired state of Tennessee geologist at my house for five hours one day. And he brought over his maps and says, you live on a watershed. This whole ridge is a watershed and you've got one coming straight under your pool. And I'm going, yep, I knew it. No, no, no. Now, so I have a metal detector and it's not one of these little $50 Walmart ones. I spent about 1200 bucks on this sucker because mm -hmm. I used to do a lot of that. And, uh, at times. And I brought it out and, and I, I just did this. This is about a year after what Monty has said. Mm -hmm. So there's riding trails, there's horse riding trails coming from the backside of my property, going, meeting up with this riding trail, going north to south, there's an east to west for the horses. And only in my property is the ground like that. So Monty comes up and, and tells me about the balls and the Indians and blah, blah, blah and not native american and then i one one about a year later i'm taking my metal detector out go try to find some more civil war stuff mm -hmm. and i get some hits for for iron slash artifacts so i take a little stick off the ground just stick it in the ground come back and it was late in the afternoon so i stuck it in the ground here 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 and a fourth one here well, that night a huge rainstorm came in and I go back to, I go back and it, and it cleared up early morning. It dried out pretty good. I go back, I get my metal detector, go back down there. First stick, second stick and third stick gone, been washed away. I didn't have, a, I just poked, barely poked them in the ground just to mark them. And I was going to come back and do a little, a little dig about six inches in diameter and about maybe a foot deep and see mm -hmm. if it's iron naturally in the dirt or whatever. So uh, first one was gone. Second, third one, I go to, I get up to the fourth one and there's a drain pipe there from our house, from the, from the corner of our house coming down. And this is where I put this a little, sh about a foot and a half short of that drain pipe. And, and I had, and that stick is still there. I said, well, I go back and do this. I mean, but while this one's here, I'll do this one. So I get down on my knees, get my little digger, go down to dig it out. And before I hit the ground, something says, it doesn't, I don't hear a voice. Something, but something tells me don't dig there. Dig over there. And I'm going over there. And, and I knew, said, okay, to the right. And my ground flat is flat 
from the from from the middle part of my yard it slopes in the front mm-hmm. and slopes in the back towards the woods a little bit mm-hmm. and he says over there so i go and i just obey i don't know why but i move over mm-hmm. i go to dig here and all of a sudden it says And I go and I'm and I go to the ground this time. It lets me put the point in the ground mm-hmm. right there. And it's just a feeling I'm getting. So I dig and dig and dig. And and I'm not finding anything. And I'm going, why, why am I digging here? And the hole keeps getting bigger and bigger because the deeper I'm going, the hole gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Finally, I come to a rock. Now the slope is like this. Here's one part of the slope and the other part of the slope is down here. And I'm digging in the middle between these, the top of the slope and the bottom of the slope and the bottom of the slope there, it turns out that the riding trail running on the north side of the property and on the east side of the property were old Indian trails being walked. The ground was too sacred. So they, they walked on the thing. <laughs> they walked on the, um, on on the, the 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 path the trail they commit they they which made sense because they didn't have to cross all those creeks mm-hmm. so and so they walked on top of the ridges so I I started digging about where my big nose is about right there and I'm going down 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 I come to a big rock this rock weighs about thirty five pounds and as I'm digging the rock is not laying flat it's standing up like this. And I go down and I find out because I'm only a little bit of the rock is here. Mm-hmm. It, it widens out. And I'm going down. I said, man, what's this rock doing like this? I thought it was a natural thing. Well, as I'm going around, I find more rocks. And these rocks are, you can see the size of these rocks on my Facebook page too. You can see this hole. Um, now, I started out with no hole. Mm-hmm. You can almost fit an SUV into the hole right now. This is how big it's gotten. Wow. And, 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 and it kept widening, widening. And I, and so when I saw that there was another rock here and another rock here, then I went, okay, I can't go down anymore. I got to clear this out. So I started clearing it out around, you know, around these rocks like this. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting on other rocks, flat rocks. And it's creating, and and I'm going, and when I get it all done, when I get this one part done, it's the bottom part is three and a half feet deep from the ground that was here. So I dug down three and a half feet and got a hole there now that big. And, 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 and what I find, and then down and then the rocks are, are the flat rocks that these rocks are sitting on like that. They, they're like that. You got these big rocks like this, like like this, making a circle around. And mm-hmm. these rocks are sitting on these rocks. And then there's other rocks. And it creates like a draft hose around the bottom. And in the middle of the hole, in the middle of these rocks, was a rock that looks like a footprint about 24, 25 inches long. Well, and I'm looking at it and then I start clearing it around down towards the, towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. 
and I find other rocks that I call medium-sized rocks, which are about mm -hmm. that big, and they create four rings around this big thing in the middle. Well, what if, and then, and then four rings and there in the four rings are saturated with dirt and little small rocks about that big. Well, those are fill rocks. And what these four rings are, are buffers for air. This thing is built like this and, 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 and the ground slopes down and the hole is there. And, the, and this, this is a rock kiln. It's a rock kiln, just like they build over, you know, used to cook on over, you know, 6,000 years ago mm -hmm. and, and everything gets bigger and bigger. And, um, and I, and so I just, I keep on expanding and then I find walls. I keep on going out, I find walls. And as I dig down into layers of dirt, it's all sitting on a stone pathway. And these stone pathways, these stones that it's sitting on, it the stones are that big, at least that big. And 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 as I do more and more, it's three levels. You got the main level where this kiln is located, and then it goes, it goes, and, and the only entrance was from the north, right mm -hmm. off the trail, and it comes in and it goes up and makes a curve and goes back in and then goes back around and then it goes back in and then comes back around to the, to the north side. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in the hole and when you can't even see me in the hole from the slope of the ground. Mm -hmm. And then I found concrete in there. This is the first artifact, concrete. Yeah, what's the big deal about concrete? Well, this concrete, the concrete we use today lasts about 120 years because they put gypsum in there and gypsum is your drywall in your home. Mm -hmm. That's what makes your hall, your, your, your hallway. I mean, your walls in your home, this and the state geologists, the current state geologists told me this. I've got all emails for this, that there is bulk. There's, there's silicon. It's, it's a silicon cone rock flint. Mm -hmm. And, and, but there's a hard stone in there with this related to Flint called chert and, and chert is what they've been, I found, I did in my research, they've been making concrete for 8,000 years. That's how come these ancient structures are still standing and sure. the concrete that they use to hold them together for that long is made mainly from volcanic uh, rocks crushed up. And these were ancient volcanoes that billions of years ago that used to be on the bottom and came up. And the Romans had a concrete that would cure underwater. Because hmm. if you put too much water in concrete, it turns into a mush and it's not good. Right. And everything. So now I go back and I'm searching around and I'm walking around and, and I'm in this kind of like a neutral area in the woods. Okay. Off my property. And I see a rock. I see a, a rock with green moss on it and it's off the riding trail. It's not on the riding trail. 
And I noticed that, and I've seen this, I don't know how many times in the, in the 15, 16 years up to that period, I'd lived there and I'd gone back into those woods because I put trail cameras back there and stuff. And that had green moss and, and something told me to start digging there and I start digging. It's a footprint. It's a solidified, what appears to be a footprint with where if you pour water over the top of it, mm-hmm. it runs down between gaps and it looks like a solidified footprint and the rock itself is 20, about 25 and a half inches long. But you can see where it, you can see, you'd have to, those pictures, some of those pictures are up on Facebook too. Cool. You can see this. And the, and it took me, and, and, and this, and that rock, here, here, here's something else. That where the rock, I found the rock. Mm-hmm. Can, all the ground is sloped like this, right? Except for one spot. And then this one spot is flat ground. It slopes down to the slope like this. Mm-hmm. And it's like a five foot tall Indian mound. Whoa. And there's the rocks there. There's patterns of rocks there. The same is in the hole in my yard. And, uh, but on that, it, in this mound four or five foot mound is is about 15 16 feet in diameter uh i mean width wise mm-hmm. about 12 feet deep now if you stand now remember how the ground slopes down right if you get to the far east corner of my property where they were rolling these stone balls down that that where that ground goes like that Mm-hmm. It also goes like this. It, it's like down and, and sloped. Okay. And it doesn't matter if you roll a ball from the far right side or the far left side of this, what area called, I call, I call the funnel, mm-hmm. an area that goes down into the woods like this, that, and, and the, up at my yard is the wide part of the funnel. The point is down at the beginning of the valley, right past the woods. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you roll the balls to the right, middle, or left. They all go towards the middle and come out at the narrow part of the funnel into the valley. Now, what's interesting about that is that where it comes out into the valley, goes straight across that valley, and in the middle of the valley, and I haven't been over there yet, but I've looked at it, really dissected it through, through Google Earth, Look mm-hmm. about a 70 to 80 foot mound. Now, what's interesting about this is when you stand on the mound in the woods, a uh, uh, little bit off my property, you stand here and you turn left. So you look down here and you're looking into the valley. This funnel goes right in front of this four foot mound and you stand there and if you stand in a certain, in the middle of that, where these rocks are aligned, then it lines up with the point coming out into the valley where the rocks would come out and filter down into the valley coming out that point. If you look, turn straight left or straight, if you turn south, but you're looking, you're looking west, but you're 
you're south. Yeah. Your side is south. You see the whole wide part of the funnel up in my yard. Then, Neat. then, then, so we found the ley line in the yard. And if you line up that ley line and my house, I found out money. I kept on getting the numbers three, four, three, four in my head. Couldn't figure out what that was. It turned out that three, four were, were compass degrees. And my house is three to four degrees, all about three and a half degrees off of magnetic north. Hmm. Now they needed to get water down in the hole to make their concrete. And I took the concrete to a major manufacturing company, concrete manufacturing company. They'd never seen any concrete like that before. Hmm. And it, samples of it was sent to a professor at one of the local colleges. He'd mm -hmm. never seen it before either. They didn't even know what the binder was. The binder is the glue that holds it all together. Didn't know what it was <clears throat> without breaking it up. They didn't have a big enough piece. I wouldn't give them a big enough piece to break up just to look at it. Right. And then, but they needed water for that concrete. And so what they did, they took the creek running under my house. They were on the shallow end of the pool. They wait, uh, Monty said they opened it up like into a bathing type of pool. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it is basically a straight line, like the regular route of the underground Creek. Right. They, they tapped into to this part and ran a divergent Creek. They needed water down in that hole. And the whole floors, all, the first floor is built up in the middle and sloped downwards. You got about a, you got about a degree and a half slope on that. And instead of the rocks being in like this, like a regular stone pathway, like up in Ohio or, or, or Machu Picchu over in Japan, mm -hmm. there's gaps in between them to let the water run through there down to the third level. Cause the third level is the drainage water, the drainage level. I got a rock over there that's that deep and I don't know how big it is. I just know it's that thick. That was part of a separate next to the, I was going to open this year, this summer, I started, I wanted to open up the outside of the wall mm -hmm. so that people could see the inside and outside of the wall. But as I went out on the uh, west side, the rocks went down like this and they built a three tier waterfall on the other side of the wall right there. And there's another small wall going around because the whole purpose was controlling water going into sure. that hole. And, uh, but what they did, they created a Creek. They built a small Creek from the underground Creek at my pool, ran it down and angled it down just a little bit. Like you would normally do a drain mm -hmm. down to 20 feet to the right of my hole of the hole itself, the main part of the hole and, and built a, a, a rock floor to run water in there. And they controlled it somehow. They must have little gates or something where they could take skins of water, you know, like buckets made out of skins, mm -hmm. pick it up and walk up here to the second inset, which is like a, a, a two tier waterfall poured in there or in the hole for them to work on the south side. Then the water would drain through there 
under the kiln, keep the kiln dry because it was sitting on a big rock. And then it would go down to the second level where they would stand and be doing all this, their work facing south and then into the draining area. Then the riding trail, they pop marked with rocks to, to get it to drain off through the riding trail down to where it slopes down like that. Now, now on the opening, on, on the east side opening coming in, this thing was only about maybe two and a half feet wide at the max. Mm -hmm. There was a um, um, uh, another rock that was resembled another footprint, solidified footprint. And, and you can see pictures of some of this and this thing. Now, I've also found this stuff. I've got a piece of rock. Oh, man, I wish. Oh, it, could you let me see here for one second? I'll see if I can see it. You'll love this. Let me see if it's in here. Yeah. Here it is. Look at this. Let me, let me get it back in my camera view. Wait. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Now, if you look at this, let me turn this. Oh, man. Here it is. And it's got that piece of white in there. Yeah. That's another rock embedded within that. See it right here? Mm-hmm. And and then this this is found in the hole. Let me see if I can get it. Hold on. I, let me turn off this light and see if I can you can see it better. Maybe the light up above me. Let me put this back in my camera range. See? And I think, I think this stuff, what is bedded in, I mm -hmm. think that's the binder or the glue. And it has no gypsum in it, but you can see that you can't, uh, it's going to be hard to see, but it's you can see the brown in there. Right. That's part of the limestone church. And then this, here's something that's interesting. Let me see if I can ring this in solid rock with some kind of rock glued on the end of it and um and i've got some let's see what else here's some more don't know what this is this is solid white and this is not chalk or gypsum or anything like that and then now here's some more of the stuff Woof, I lost him. He must have hit the camera. <laughs> uh, give it a few more minutes, guys, and then we're going to wrap this up uh, when he gets back on. Um, this has been a fascinating show, I can tell you that. Uh, Christina, if you hang in there, I'm going to get him to repeat the uh, YouTube site so, so you can get that address. But uh, this has been a fascinating show. I usually don't go this long. Here we go. Let me bring him back. Okay, we got you back. I'm hit my wire. You zapped yourself. Yeah, I've got a new this this my this one system I have was built to, by my son for me, mm -hmm. and I just bought a brand new Hewlett Packard. It just came in Monday, and I'm gonna help. He, he I'm I'm technically stupid. 
Oh, there, there, there's a pretty good idea. See, there, I've moved it back a little bit. See that? Yeah, there you go. Let me see if I can. And then, and then the back side, and then, and then the rock there. Mm -hmm. And this, whatever this, this looks like about the size of a USB memory stick. This part right here. I think that's Nova Coolite. And if this Nova Coolite, it either came from Arkansas or Texas, I'm thinking. And if it's Nova Coolite, then that material is so hard. They grind it up and, and put it inside big metal drums because it retains heat. It's a great heat insulator and everything. And this, I think, is some more of it, some more of this mm -hmm. stuff. And and I've got I've got some uh, let me not go back that way. And I've got other rocks that this rock is probably let me see if I can bring this in. You see the grooves in it? Oh yeah, that's cool. That was found in the hole. So that rock would 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 look like it'd be like um oh um like old uh bug trails back in the prehistoric days right but you got you got three you got if you can tell let me see it's like you got three different lines straight lines which would be hard to do in nature for bugs mm -hmm. and then this one right here this one's strange too it's just solid and smooth and these have been had been sanded and then um and then i've got some more stuff uh that i don't have available here sure um that oh wait a minute maybe i do hold on you'll love this and these are all been found down in the hole um i gotta have somebody look at this like i found see that see let's see if i get this in here See that right there? Yes. I've got about four different rocks that has a very similar shape to that. And you see this part right here. Right. And then you have that point and then the point right there on the back side. Right there. Mm -hmm. And then I've got other rocks. You really can't see this unless. Oh, you got another one and this one is similar see this one is similar in shape it's just that this one is more distinct mm -hmm. it's in my other hand and it's got the same curved down on the nose from that point mm -hmm. and then you see it's got two more points you know it's got a point it's like this one is more wide in the back side mm -hmm. so, and and then um and then oh, i've got some other things in here oh that right there that right there oh that's different yeah let me bring this up you know what that is no what is that gypsum okay and if you ever look at your 
paper companies and the companies that make drywall. Right. A lot of those companies are located near uh, coal fire uh, steam plants, mm -hmm. TVA, and the byproduct of coal is gypsum. Okay. So these and and you know the ash and stuff is a byproduct. Gypsum is like a byproduct, but gypsum is also like a is is it's not a exactly gypsum, but it's used in the same wallboard thing. And um and your big paper companies like Warehouser and and Mead are located near these places. And Tennessee is is packed with these plants because coal fire plants with it being. Tennessee Valley Authority mm -hmm. and everything. And, but I had someone at another university tell me, well, oh, well, they just, they made the, your, your drywall at your house. And I'm going, no, they didn't make drywall at my house. They brought it in in sheets on a truck and they had a crane on there and the, um, they, and they took and they craned, raised it up and took it to the second floor window where they slid it off the forks of the crane, off the uh, crane that they had. And I'm thinking, making drywall, this, this idiot said, oh, well, the, the whoever built your house built, uh, created the drywall. No, you buy that, just that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's just like saying, you know, to me, that's just like saying that, oh, well, because you got a power, you built the electric company next to you to supply your power for your house. Exactly. And, and I've got, and there's, and, and I think, I think after doing some more research mm -hmm. and looking at Google earth and go, and Google earth coming down into uh street view level mm -hmm. view, that's been, that's been a real good help to me because I can see shapes and I think there's a, I don't know yet. But I, I was at a Christmas party here a couple of years ago and they were asking me in my neighborhood, there's only 47 homes in my neighborhood. And they were asking me and I said, well, I think there's something right down the road uh, about half a mile from the intersection before you get on interstate 840. Mm -hmm. And, and, and my neighborhood is only about a mile, mile and a quarter from it from 840 mile and a half. And I says, there's two other things down there. And they said, Oh, you mean the Indian mounds? So you got to, and, and then if you get on, I've got it on Google earth, uh, a push pin marked mm -hmm. all the way down and it, it forms a straight line east to west. And I was working and I've got the emails to prove it with mm -hmm. the state geologist. And he was sending stuff to the state archeologist. These are the head guys and uh, not the associates, but the head guys. Mm -hmm. And I've got the thing in from the head guy, archaeologist said it's probably a man-made pathway since mm -hmm. it's made out of rock is stone is built the same way that Machu Picchu is and, and these other places in ancient and in, in antiquity. Um, then I've got the, the state geologist saying with the sample, with a sample, I sent him saying, this is, this is chirp in this concrete. This is not gypsum. And huh. some big archaeology department in one of the universities around here 
must have had a first year archaeology student said, oh, well, that's just gypsum. Mm -hmm. like, nope. And then the head of that department is a guy who gets a lot of publicity for stuff he's found down in Mexico and going, and they told me gypsum. And it's like, there's no way in hell this is gypsum. Gypsum is, is you know, you see what gypsum is. And, and so that's how come your drop, that's how come concrete only lasts 120 years because mm -hmm. only, they put two to 3% gypsum in there as part of the glue. Mm -hmm. And you know what water does to drywall, right? Right. That's the way it, when it's, once it soaks into that, that, that concrete, it's going to do the same thing. Sure. And, uh, and then, and then I sent them a big box of samples, photos, a story, and I wasn't telling them everything, mm -hmm. but I told them, to, and, and I, and I've been begging them to come out here, the geologist and the state archaeologist to come out here i said i'll i'll how much do i owe you for all this stuff that you're looking at oh no this is coming out of tax money we're already getting paid for this so i didn't have to pay for any of this <laughs> but, and so they're they're working with me and then i sent them a, and so i said well i tell you what you i've been trying to get them to come out here to look at this stuff and they wouldn't come i don't know why i couldn't i couldn't figure it out why wouldn't they come and then I sent them a big box of samples. I didn't send them every sample. Mm -hmm. And I told them about 60% of the story of what's here. Mm -hmm. And then I get the box back. The samples had not been looked at. And I had the cover letter sitting on top of the plastic bag where I had the photos and everything. And I had the samples. Everything was marked up and everything. I did a good job on that. Mm -hmm. You know, it organized. And then they sent me the box back, taped it up and says, well, we don't want to talk to you anymore about this. Huh. Now, if you do, if you go back and look at the history of the, uh, of the, of the history of this land where I'm located and you got Nashville and that's Davidson County. Mm -hmm. And the next county south is Williamson County. If you want to see country music stars, you come to Williamson County, okay? Because they're in the malls, they're in coffee shops and stuff like that, okay? That's old money. I mean, that's that's old town, old Civil War town. Mm -hmm. In fact, this county has several little cities associated within the county, and I live in Thompson Station. And uh, at one time, when we moved here, we had like 2,700 people in, in the town. And 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 the next and going down into Spring Hill, the next one down is Spring Hill, because you got Nashville, Franklin, Spring Hill, and then you got Columbia. Well, Spring Hill is where they built the big GM built their big Saturn car plant down there, and they put in a an interstate going over to there from Interstate 65. Mm -hmm. And, and, but I've got, I've got all the paperwork about the, what foundation this is, what rock foundation and the geologists classify this as the hermitage foundation, but I've done the history trying to find what types of people have been here, what right. native American previous people. And I already know some war people here. Okay. So that's going back what 170 years now. Right. And then, and then the geologist said, and, and I found out these are all riding trails because I've got, 
an Indian thing there. And I've got Monty who put me onto all this. Now he didn't tell me where this stuff was. I just kind of went by gut feelings and started digging. That's I, I've done all the work on there. You can go and look at the photos and I put a few more photos of what I've done this year, but this thing started out small and now it's, it's gotten big and, and I can get geologists over here. I can't get an archeologist over here because they don't want to be shown up. Right. See, if you come into Nashville, South part of Nashville and between Brentwood, which is the new money, mm-hmm. Franklin, which is old town, which is see the county I live in is the third 13th richest county in the United States per capita. And um, not that I'm up in that per capita thing, but uh, but uh, just great schools, great everything, and great place to live. And um, but Brentwood is where a lot of the country music stars used to live and still live. And then and then you got Franklin, which is an old Civil War town. I mean, old town going back to seven, early seventeen, late seventeen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Jesse James used to live there. Uh, and then you've got uh, Thompson Station and mm-hmm. then Spring Hill and Columbia. Columbia, main thing for Columbia at the time was James K. Polk was born there, the president. And uh, But there was a big Civil War battle that came right up the pike, Franklin Pike from north to south. And, and there's a lot of Civil War stuff around here. And, uh, but there's no history of any native Americans or any other American or any other natives, whether it be Aztec, Inca, Maya, whatever, selling mm-hmm. on this land. The only hint of anything, and this is kind of interesting, are the Utes, Ute people, U-T-E. Mm-hmm. And Ute, Ute, the Utes are the people are the, are the tribe for Skinwalker Ranch. Okay. Now I'll tell you something. I was, I wasn't a big friend, friend, a fan of that Skinwalker Ranch at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now it's beginning to make a little bit more sense to me. And, um, and I'll tell you something and I, I and I haven't told anybody this, I'm writing a new book and this will be in it, but they had one episode this past year where it showed either the big dipper or the little dipper sitting on top of that butte. You remember right. that? I remember that one. Yeah. Guess what? And I'm looking at it and I go and get the GPS coordinates out of that. I get it for mine mm-hmm. and it's not in a straight East West thing. Most people look at a map and they think that like I flew over to Germany back in 77. And if you look at, if you look at the world and you look at a map or you look at, most people look at a flat map instead of a globe, it looks like it's a straight line across. Nah, you got to go up like that. Over, yeah. Earth. You know, you're looking at about an 18 hour flight over there about. And, and the, so the earth is, so the United States is the same way, but it's near the same, same, um, latitudes okay near mm-hmm. the same latitudes and nashville's latitudes are are in line with around uh israel in that area 
Middle East. But if you look and 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 here's what I have crossing over my house. It, I, I have the first thing that comes across is the little dipper. The second thing that comes across, well, actually, the first thing that comes across is the constellation of Draco. Then the Little Dipper, and these are all on the north side of my home. And then you had the Big Dipper. Then on the left side of my home or on the south side of my home, you have Orion's Belt. And then if you go at an angle, you come to the uh, uh, Orion uh, constellation and you have the Pleiades. Oh, I see. But here's, here's what I think is interesting is that coming this way straight over my house and it comes over my house at a certain time of the year, it's coming over right now, is, is the Gemini constellation. I happen to be a Gemini oh. and see, we were drawn to this house. I mean, th we, we, this, we were going to come back. This is the first lot we looked at and right. the first place we built and, and built and, 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 and then all this stuff has been discovered since. And, and I hope I discover a whole lot more because I'm 70 years of age. Well, I'm looking at my watch. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, I know. We did really good tonight, though. You know, I really had a blast talking to you tonight. Well, I'm glad I had a blast to sharing and everything. Yeah, well, it was fun. Yeah. I would love to get you on again to talk more about this stuff. I mean, you got so much going on there. You know, it's, it's just it's incredible. Well, i tell you what. If, if, I, I tried to find that episode that I own a uh, skinwalker uh, because I wanted to look at that's an Indian painting coming from the youths. Mm -hmm. The reason why I'm interested in that is this is that um, and and I've got a picture of this that it was a, it was for, it was for uh, Brad Steiger's book mm -hmm. one of his books. And, and I contributed quite a few stories to Brad, experiences to Brad's book, but one was, uh, one was, um, uh, is that I'm waiting for Brett and Gina to come over to my house and I'm standing out in the yard and I'm smoking a cigarette I, I, out in my driveway in the parking area. Yeah, I know smoking's bad, but anyway, <laughs> I'm smoking a cigarette and then all of a sudden I saw this. <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> this <clears throat> being sitting about standing in the side of my yard, in the front of my yard, about two feet off the road. And I've just got a country with road. Okay. Like 14, 15, 16 feet wide max. Sure. And, and, um, and, and I see this about an eight foot tall creature just standing there his head looks like the crystal skull his head is the almost the exact same shape as this crystal skull in the movie indiana jones and the, and the crystal skull you saw that movie yes and that crystal skull it was almost the same shape on a skinny neck with a 
real thin, straight body, thin arms, thin legs, and the legs and the arms had joints. And these, I couldn't see if he had five fingers, four or three. I couldn't tell that. And then, and 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 his arm. This good friend of mine, Kathy Brockway, saw. I actually thought I saw it first, but then my friend Kathy Brockway, the first time she was over here, saw it run out in front of her car about a year earlier, and she didn't say anything about it to us. Then when I sent out my report, what I saw that uh, that it, it ran across the road, she the the arms were about as big as round as the cardboard core of wrapping paper. Wow! And and you take the head, the neck could not support it. But here's what it did: it stayed about one and a half to two feet off the side of off the side of the road mm -hmm. and then uh it took one step moved one leg one step it was halfway across the second step was two feet on the other side of the road and i've seen it now about five or six times and i saw it cross right in front of my car one night uh about five, six, seven miles from here coming home. And, and my headlights were on full and saw this and it can change colors. Now, what's interesting about this, what's interesting about this and, 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 and it does have a relationship to, to, to the Indian tribes at Skinwalker mm -hmm. that Brent Rains told me he talked to this Native American woman he knows about a Ute Indian legend that this creature is this and it's a protector of the woods or the forest. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And then, and then when we're building the house and this could be for another time. Sure. But, but you can find this on the internet is, um, is, um, I saw a Mothman type creature driving home one night from this house is about 10 30 and then about a year or two later i saw him fly near the interstate and turn around and go back into the woods in the middle wow of the well we'll have to talk about that the next time you're on we're just going to keep going you know what i mean yeah. um I I would love, yeah i'd love to have you on again this this was terrific thank yeah, you so love much to, love to be on again fantastic um could you tell everybody about the that, that youtube site again yeah um uh, anybody can contact me at wsmith51 at aol.com. They can also contact me at um, at um, uh, on Facebook, Facebook Messenger. Um, and that's how you contacted me. See, yeah. And, and everything. And then, um, uh, and then to find out you can my facebook pages are wide open with my with a bunch of photos that i've talked about you know strange mm -hmm. and stuff and then the the youtube thing is just go to youtube and type in sandy nichols paranormal palace trailer and cool. then if you, if you get on there you can find um i, I did a um uh, i was on a steven spielberg special Mm-hmm. And which was really cool. And that was called the abduction diaries. There were six of us chosen. Mm -hmm. And then that was my book. It's out of print. 
And I must admit, it was not the best writing job I've ever done. Right. That was my first main writing job. But and my and my nephew did the um, image. And then here's this. Uh, I have three brothers. Mm -hmm. and no sister. That'd be like my brother, my mom, my dad. And then and then I'm over here all by my little self with that little gray <laughs> standing back there. There you go. There you go. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And I want to get you back on again to talk some more because this was absolutely fascinating. Well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it immensely. And I appreciate it. And and I had a great time and, and everything. All right. Well, you have a good new year. Okay. You have a great new year. And I, I'll give you I'll give you a shout back after the regular new year. And and. Uh, we can talk other than on an interview, okay? We can. Okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, and you might want to try out that 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 spirit. Some of your investigations. That, Absolutely. That and I can and I can help you more in private, you know, in, in messengers, how to kind of fine tune that because other people try that, but you got to get you got to have someone on the other side to help you do your thing. Sure. You know, Absolutely. Do this. I mean, you can't, okay. well, I want a spirit guide. Well, they're going to say, well, screw you, you know. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, Sandy, have a good evening. Okay, you too. And and uh, have a good, great New Year's. You hey. too. Bye-bye. All right, that was great. That was fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed it immensely. I usually don't go that long, but, I mean, it, it, it was very interesting, very informative. I want to thank you guys for coming. Monday, our guest is Doug Anderson who has been investigating the USS North Carolina, and he's got some interesting evidence from that. So uh, I've even got some video footage that he sent me that, that we're going to be showing. Also, um, Sunday I'm going to be doing my usual read of uh, Mrs. Miracle, because we're gonna, I think we're going to finish that off this weekend. And that will be at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Sunday Pacific. And then uh, I'm going to be teaching two psychic development classes. Uh, one is Psychic Development 1, where I'm going to be teaching how to contact your spirit guides and uh, where, you know how to contact your spirit guides and, and visit your spirit library and those types of places so you can be, so you can get in touch with, with that and see what the meaning of, of what you're doing is. So uh, check that out at our California Haunts Meetup. There is a CaliforniaHauntsMeetup.com. Also... Probably by Sunday, I'll have it up on the California Haunts Radio website at www.californiahauntsradio.com. And um, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five people. We're equal opportunity here, and we're trying to build up our YouTube subscribers. And things are going really well, but uh, we could always use more and more and more. And uh, also, uh, if you can see, there's a little sign flashing below the screen there. And that's because California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is a nonprofit. So all the stuff for this show, mics, cameras, everything for this show comes out of my pocket. Also equipment for the paranormal team. So if you could find it in your heart to donate at paypal.me at California Haunts, that would be great. Or if you have a Venmo, it's just easy to go into Venmo, type California Haunts, you can donate from there. I'd really appreciate it. You know, we're trying to keep this thing on the air. We want to bring more and more guests like, uh, like Sandy on, okay? Anyway, I will see you guys Sunday at 6 p.m. And have a good New Year's. And oh, but when I get back on Sunday, it's going it's to be next year. So I'll see you next year. Bye.